Welcome back to Just One Question. I'm uh, really thrilled and excited that this time around to have Zach Dickwald with me, who's the author of Young China, How the Restless Generation Will Change Their Country and the World. And he's the founder, it almost goes without saying, of the Young China Group. <laughs> Therefore, he's spoken at the Aspen Ideas Festival, the Wall Street Journal CEO Summit, Google Talks, he's got a TED Talk, uh, Zach is uh, uh, a mover and a shaker in this very special world of the relationship between China and the rest of the globe. And so I'm excited to pick his brain. Welcome, Zach. Check in, please, and tell us how you're doing during this pandemic. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, and quick check-in, I'm actually doing great. Uh, I, it's a, I say that with guilt, and I would say that the, there's a prerequisite of a certain amount of health and financial security and, and sending, of course, my best to everyone, particularly those on the front lines of this, some of which are, are my friends both in China and here in the U.S. But uh, there's been, we've been sort of handed an opportunity here to, to clean up a lot of the mess of our lives, mm. especially for those of us who, who do do speaking. You know, last year was a six-continent year for me which sounds like a brag, but is really a cry for help. And <laughs> I, I've been very much enjoying a slower pace mm. to do some of the deeper, broader thinking that's so difficult to do when, when, you're, when your sort of mental real estate is, is constantly being pressed in. Mm. Mm. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, interesting time. Uh, and interesting reminder to us all, uh, as uh, the, f the famous Rahm Emanuel once said, never let a good crisis go to waste. So uh, uh, by the time this is all done, we all want to be able to look back and go, yeah, I did make something out of that. I got something extra special done, or I thought some, uh, some useful things uh, to my life and, and to the pace. So thanks for that. Good reminder. Okay, just one question for you. Takes a little setup. Um, and it's a wild one. I hope you're ready. So the, the, <laughs> the, the question is, uh, in the Middle Ages, humanity faced down the Black Death, the bubonic plague, and it took a couple hundred years. But when we finally came through it, there was an explosion of creativity and of humanity really embracing life. In, in contrast to the death that had been so prevalent, um, called the Renaissance. And we thought new thoughts. Uh, we uh, created an amazing uh, art. Um, we reordered hierarchies. We changed gender roles. We thought about religion in new ways. All kinds of fascinating growth and development in humanity. In 1918-19, a much shorter cycle time, but we went through the uh, Spanish flu. It killed 50 million uh, of our uh, citizens and neighbors and, and uh, friends. Um, but the response was an embrace of life known as the Roaring Twenties. Uh, there was the Harlem Renaissance. There was uh, the Bauhaus and, and Art Deco. There was uh, um, speakeasies and, uh, and a whole lot of mixed drinking going on. And, and uh, uh, there was uh, a lot, again, of creativity, of change, of uh, foment in uh, political and philosophical and religious uh, spheres. So again, an interesting time for humanity, all about embracing life after that death. Here we are again in the pandemic. Eventually this too shall pass. We'll be ready to embrace life once more. And so what's it gonna look like this time, 
Zach, what's the what's the new world going to look like? What's the, what's the equivalent of the Renaissance or the Roaring Twenties going to be in 2022? Let's say. Wow, what a question! Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, so one of my favorite books. I, so I I was a lit major. I studied psychology and business as well back in school. But I always remember the Decameron, which has come to mind a lot recently. Which is basically there was a plague running loose and some people escaped the, the city and told stories on a hill. Yeah. Uh, and so I'd like to frame this question in a, in a story, which I call Tibetan math. And it's a reflection on the pivot that I think humanity could be entering into right now. Hmm. So when I was 25 and living in Western China in a place called Chengdu, uh, I was writing the book, Young China. And hmm. What we all know who have written books is that it doesn't pay very well. And so, you know, it's often a hobby in addition to a job. One of my jobs was as a bilingual event host. So imagine me in sort of suit and tie, uh, you know, like that sort of deal, a D-list Ryan Seacrest, if you will. And uh, one of my jobs, and this was the coolest of them, was I, I got flown into Tibet for uh, the 60th anniversary of a Gassar festival. Gassar being sort of like the Tibetan Odyssey equivalent mm. in terms of literature that's informed culture. So I got flown in and spent two weeks uh, on a bus with five Tibetan huofu, which means living Buddhas. And we were traveling around on these, on these uh, dirt paths or really beat up roads, uh, station to station, setting up a stage in the middle of a plateau um, so just big green fields, beautiful blue sky, and then 2,000 uh, Tibetans coming in on plastic stools to, to hear us talk. So imagine me sort of, you know, the altitude is very high. I'm sucking oxygen before getting on stage. Uh, all an incredible experience. By the end of it, I had become fairly close with these Huofu, these living Buddhas. And on the last speech, they asked me if I'd like to go see a sky burial. Mm. A sky burial is, uh, and there's, to, to cut out some of the gory details, we, we ended up driving out two hours up into the mountains. Uh, and as we get to what is a clear plateau uh, up into the mountains, I'm starting to see crates being brought over onto a platform. Mm -hmm. The crates were filled with human bodies. Mm -hmm. uh, without giving too much detail, a sky burial is when around 200 to 300 vultures fly through the air at the same amount, at the same time each day, uh, and dispose of a body. Mm -hmm. uh, and as this was happening, this takes hours, and we're watching all of this. There's not a lot of foreigners who end up going to one of these things. So having a lot of conversation with these living Buddhas, one of them explained to me that so much of our modern world is about addition, a new phone a new car, a new speaking gig, a new client, whatever it is. Um, the sky burial in Tibetan Buddhism is the final act of subtraction. Hmm. Getting rid of our body, our last sort of connection to the physical world uh, as we, so we can re-enter into the cycle of uh, reincarnation. Hmm. Now, I'm not suggesting that all of us uh, go fully you know, non-materialistic and, and, and go live on a mountain in, in Tibet. That's not what I'm saying. But it does occur to me that uh, a lot of the, you know, the plug on most of our lives has been pulled. Mm -hmm. And I've watched in China and in the United States uh, a shift towards recognition that so much of our lives have been about that addition. 
more this, more that. And while I do expect that a burst of creativity, a burst of innovation, certainly a burst of fun, uh, a la the Roaring Twenties, is, is likely on the horizon in terms of the near term. I'm watching China, which is three or four months ahead of us, really, in the, in the recovery from this, um, from this terrible pandemic. I'm watching the people there. So we're not talking about government. We're talking people on the ground, which is really where my focus is. Have this moment of pause where they're like, wow, you know, my push towards this bigger, better, wealthier life, was that making me happy? Hmm. Was that making me fulfilled? Um, I know there's a lot of speakers out there, and I kind of started the, the talk with this, who, you know, we run all over the globe sharing ideas and, and hopefully changing the way people see the world. Uh, and, and maybe there's an opportunity for, you know, there are different ways to convey those messages where we actually get to have a little bit, where we don't have to be constantly looking for the next thing, the bigger thing. For all the people in business, they're starting to realize, okay, maybe there's a more substantive, deeper project I can sink my teeth into rather than just running around left and right. I think it's a, I think it's a, a pause for humanity. And I've watched in other parts of the world, but definitely in China, uh, people beginning to be more deliberate, more intentional in what they decide to add back into their life. Mm. So if this has been a great subtraction for most of the trappings of our daily life, uh, our task now, and, I, and I've watched people rise to this task in China, a place that has been far, feeling the far more the push of materialistic drive over the last 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. I've watched them take a moment to be more reflective about, hey, what do I really need? Mm. What do I really want? And what a wonderful opportunity or terrible opportunity, but certainly an opportunity to be intentional about what I add back in. Fantastic. Zach Dickwald, everybody. What an amazing, what do I, what do I really need? And what can I, what can I now do without? What can I let go of? What can I subtract? And what do I need to continue to hang on to? Thank you. I really, uh, really found that answer beautiful. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. I hope it's useful, you know, being intentional and deliberate as we move forward into this mid-COVID and post-COVID world. Mm -hmm.